All right, this is the uh, Chance of Gaming Podcast, and with me is John Russell from Warlord Games. Hi, guys. How you doing? And, uh, John, who are you in relation to Warlord? Well, Warlord, as you know, Warlord Games itself is an entity out of Nottingham, England, and the, the great lead belt of all those great companies over there. And that's where all the magic happens. In the United States, we have a sales team of four guys, uh, Jay Morano, Emiliano uh Emiliano Morado and Billy Gazzino, and then their boss is Chris Woodward, and they're the sales guys in the U.S. My role out here in Oklahoma is I, I'm the games, um, well, my shirt says uh, event commander, but I'm the guy that goes to all the conventions and tournaments in North America to check them out, make sure they're legit, help things like that, and I have a rolling store that I take with me, to load up in the back of a van or a truck or send in. And we set up booths at these conventions, and <clears throat> we put uh, bring the light of Warlord Games to the darkness and convert the masses, I guess you could say. Oh, yeah, I completely understand that. You can <laughs> come in, and it's it's all dark with that weird uh, science fiction game, and yep, yep. Um, yeah, that's, which is very dark, and yes, you're yep. bringing the light. I understand that. I do. But I, and I don't do it by myself. I mean, I'm the guy that, that, that gets paid by Warlord, but I actually have a... Uh, uh, a group of helpers that I couldn't do without them, and that's my uh, Raiders, the Russell Raiders. And there's about 23 of us out there. Now, the stores that sell Warlord games have a have a program called Sarges or Sergeants, and the store can pick a guy and help them sell the Warlord product, and they stay in the store and they help the store. My guys are more out there in the boondocks, and and we're, we're we we uh, there's a process of about a year long. We you, we ask you to be a Raider instead of asking to be a Raider. We look at you, and it's not you know. A guy will notice somebody, like, you know, we'll notice Bob at a convention. We'll say, hey, Bob looks looks like he knows the game and he's doing pretty well. And we kind of, I guess, for a better word, stalk you for a while. We start stalking the guy. And uh, one of the guys, one of my raiders will start watching him. And then another raider will watch him. And so I usually have one or two guys give me the thumbs up or thumbs down before we contact a guy. And then if, it, if it's good, after that second guy says, yeah, I think he's going to be great, John, they'll get the contact. They'll approach him and say, hey, look, we've been watching you for a while in a good way, and uh, uh, we're uh, we're interested maybe if you want to uh, join the Raider program, and John wants to talk to you, so if we get the okay, then I'll call the guy, I, I go old school, and, and I call the guy for about 30, 45 minutes, and we talk about what they're doing, what they like to do, and what they see, and if they want to say yes, then it takes, a, we, we put them in a kind of a, uh, for lack of a better word, apprenticeship program for about six months, and we watch them, if it's all good and gold, uh, at the end of that, we give them a Three shirts from Warlord with their names stitched on it, embroidered with a call sign on there, and we're ready to roll. All right. And um, how, what what you mentioned the sergeants? What are they? Sergeants are they work with the the local you know favorite local game store and uh, the stores that want to promote Warlord in their stores. They've got that guy that hangs out in their store and uh, is always playing Warlord, so they can approach a guy that they think. They they pick their sergeant and they decide that this guy's going to represent our store, and they get their name up to the guys in Phoenix, our sales team, and then they start working through the sales team and the trade guys to help promote Warlord in the stores, and then as a benefit, that sergeant gets discounts and or free stuff periodically from the store and from Warlord. Okay, that, yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, so, like, he would be the guy that's, like, running tournaments or, or whatever in the store? Exactly, at the local level, yeah, yeah. And okay. then my guys go at the national or state level. and But we're always up for, if the store needs some help, we, and our schedule permits, 
we can certainly roll in or help his Sarge or their Sarge or her Sarge and uh, the store as well. Now, who now who would you say is your most southern raider? Oh, just, just give me, you can give me a state, uh, a city state, it'd be fine. We've got some guys in Ohio, which isn't south, of course, <laughs> and and then we've got some guys that are looking at we're looking at in Kentucky, and there's a couple potentials down in Florida. But right now, we're really it's taken us three years to get 22 guys, and we're we've got from Texas on up to uh, Illinois and over to Ohio and over to Utah. So we're, we're in the center really solid, but the East coast, West coast and the South were a little weak. So we're, we're on the lookout for, uh, guys in those areas. Yeah. I'm just curious. Cause, uh, historicals has taken off in my, my local store. Part of it was a, a change in ownership and, uh, yeah, it's, it's just kind of grow growing, um, flames and your local board. store. Well, Adam? what's that? Give a shout out to your local store. Who is it? Oh, it's uh, Vans Comics and Cards in uh, Rid- in Ridgeland, Mississippi. Excellent. And with Planes of War just going like crazy over the past few months, and the release of Cruel Seas coming, and yep, there, good there's stuff. No, yeah, we'll, we, which we'll get to. What we'll, <laughs> a lot of guys in the store are were interested in Cruel Seas, and so we're kind of on the cusp right now. They get their Warlord stuff. Which I've ordered, I've had them get me uh, from Southern Hobby, and I think I'm gonna have them kind of look at like what it takes to order direct, you know, because it's always better they get a better discount deal, you know, and and uh, just kind of go from there. So yeah, sure. well, and 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 to do that, we call that becoming a stocklist store. It's a new program that the guys have been running for about a year or two now, so it's not really new, but it is kind of new. And all they got to do is contact. Let's see, if it's East Coast, that's going to be Billy uh, Gabinzo, and I'll get you the contact. I always slaughter his last name. I just call him Billy. (laughs) Uh, And uh, we can get you in contact with that. And what what that does is, you know, it used to be a a store had to order, I won't name the company, but they had to, like, order $1,000 every month of this stuff, and it didn't matter whether it sold or not. They had to buy it, and they sat on the shelf and collected dust all the time. The Stockless store is a little different. I do believe it's, like, 500 bucks every 90 days, and it's whatever you need. And as long as you order a 500 bucks every 90 days, you'll you'll keep your your credit up. You know your your standing will be will be good, and you can start getting a lot of those warlord discounts direct, yeah, and at a pretty good price. And then there's different levels, like a stock list one, two, and three. So f- just for argument, I don't want to get too far down into the weeds, but bolt action stock list one is the basic set in a couple of the boxes. Bolt uh, bolt action stock list two is more the box of some of the blisters. Stockless three is everything for bolt action that you can get uh, through the trade account. Yeah, so we've, we've danced around bolt action for probably a year now. Mm-hmm. I myself and about two other people have armies for it and the rule books. And then mm-hmm. down, not too far from us in another town, there's like three guys that have it as as well. But we've never actually gotten it to the table there. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's. Well, and it's, it's yeah, it's both those those stockless levels are bolt action, hail Caesar, black powder. They're all 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 the things. So it it, it transfers to all the the game system gates of Antares. So you could be a stockless level three bolt action and a stockless level one gates of Antares. So it depends upon what is the best in your area and what works best in your area for which way you want to go. I, I wonder what the cruel seas uh, stock list will be. <laughs> well, there's. We can go down. Uh, we, we can launch the boats if you wish to start talking about that. That uh, 
Um, well, the, well uh, ha- hang on. I guess I, okay. I guess, yeah. I'm, and I'm getting, yeah, scattered here. I get, yeah. Uh, people complain that like you guys aren't very focused on your podcast. I'm like, nah. Well, it's gaming. It's, it's gaming. It's, Come it's on. Gaming. It's a yeah, stream of thought. Um, so I guess the first thing is Warlord Games. Your main, uh, we mentioned Bolt Action, but your the other main games that you guys have are, Black Powder. Uh, yeah, Black, Black Powder, Powder Two, yeah. which yeah. Uh, which just came out. Mm-hmm. And I'm doing a giveaway for, so if you want a copy of this rule book, just drop me a line at chanceofgaming at gmail.com. And uh, can you tell me a little bit about like the difference between Black Powder 1 and Black Powder 2? Uh, there's some rule variances. Uh, one of the big ones I know of is in Black Powder 1 when you charge and you finish your hand-to-hand combat and the, the defeated unit left, you could do a follow-up, but you couldn't recontact or re- recharge. Uh, now you can, so you can hit them. You know, do some damage, and then when they retreat, hit them again if you can reach them. So there, there's a little of that. Uh, there's some other nuances. Uh, they didn't want to change too much of it because they've got a lot of source books out there already. You know, Black Powder goes from about 1705, 1704 to 1930-something, you know, about. Uh, it depends on how far up. Some some guys say up to World War One, but uh, past World War Two, and I'm like, ah, no, uh, Black Powder goes to about just just about world you can play world war one with black powder or you can play uh, both actual world war one so the late the, you know the early 1900s so about 200 years is what black powder covers and uh, uh, uh and then pike and shot is a separate game but more uh set up for english civil war however at one of the warlord games conventions two years ago here in oklahoma city that we've done uh we did one with aztecs and spaniards and it was phenomenal it was great but but uh, there, there's not a lot of changes, and uh, uh, maybe a page, maybe two pages of differences, but uh, it still pretty much plays the same. They just okay. wanted to update it. It's been it's been eight eight nine years. I mean, uh, Black Powder was our first rulebook we put out. We've been around for ten years now. This is our eleventh year, so it was it was time. Uh, we don't have that thing called Codex Creep. Uh, I don't mention names, but you know we do update every once in a while. And after about eight years, it was time to to maybe update Black Powder. So. Uh, new pictures, new stuff in there, uh, and uh, some scrubbing of the rules. But it's if you've played Black Powder, there's not a lot to, to change. I mean, there are some nuances, and I need to do more reading and get more of the, of the updates. But uh, it's about a page and a half of updates, really. Now, are all my supplements safe, like the stuff yep. that I already own, yep. like Zulu and all that? Yep, 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 safe, safe, and safe. And uh, there's more coming out. Western Plains uh, Indian Wars is, is in the works, and we've got some... Uh, other things that are that are cooking that I know of and heard of. Uh, I was uh, actually looking um, the other night for a good uh, Crimean War uh, supplement, uh, yep. and I and I saw where Black Powder did. You can do the Crimean War in uh, Black Powder. Do the charge yep. the Light Brigade and all that good stuff. Yep, and we got the figures. So it's a, we try to be the best historical miniature company out there. We're getting there. Uh, we've got a lot of good miniatures, good models, good price, and uh, the rules too. Yeah, I see where um, you can, you have, um, you guys also uh, offer some plastics for use in Saga, which is great for those of us living here in the U.S. and don't want to, you know, import uh, sure. figures. And uh, yeah, they're even mentioned on your website. As, Our Dark uh, Age line, yep. Our yeah, Dark Age line is great for the Saxons. And, and then with with Shield Wall, uh, you can grab... It's our, a supplement for Hail Caesar. Shield Wall is, is a smaller skirmish level. It's our answer to Sega. It, it, and it, 
And what it does is it builds up your forces, and then you can go start playing Hail Caesar. And uh, Shield Wall is our first supplement. There'll be more. And right now it's the, uh, you know, the Dark Ages. Uh, there's Vikings and Saxons and, and uh, whoever the Saxons fought. Man, I can't believe I forgot uh, the that. Normans. The Normans. Normans, thank yeah. you. Holy <laughs> mackerel, that's bad. Um, thank God you can edit. Um, but it's, <laughs> yeah, Normans and Saxons are in there, and there's some Vikings, and then that's just going to build upon that. So, you know, uh, don't be afraid of having to paint up a whole army you know it's, it's it's like even with our pike and shot we've got a a uh, army list for samurai warriors so you can do the test of, test of honor stuff like that and build up your armies and then do a whole huge army same thing with hail caesar you know you, you get shield wall build a couple uh bands and then build it up pretty soon you have a whole army for hail caesar okay so seal shield wall is a kind of skirmish level yes thing for that okay yep I didn't... yep did not know that. All right. Yeah, it came out uh, four months ago. Uh, no, sorry, about five, six months ago. Two uh, great reviews. Everybody really likes it. And uh, uh, we're working on the, the next supplement as soon as we can. All right, cool. <clears throat> now, uh, you mentioned Hail Caesar. How does it play? Hail Caesar is a lot like um, the old Warmaster, I guess, for, for lack of a better example. Uh, Rick Priestley wrote it, so it, it, uh, it's got. Uh, uh, Kind of like black powder, but there's no cannons, you know, So and there's no uh, rifles or, or arbicus. It's all a mass of infantry and cavalry, sometimes elephants, sometimes chariots, and you can recreate everything back from Egypt all the way up to about the 1700s where then black powder will kick in. So we've covered all the way back from ancient Egypt to the biblical times. We've got army lists for all that. Then we've got some uh, <clears throat> army lists up into... Uh, the Romans and the Gauls, and go up to, all the way up into just about time to start pulling out the rifles, and then that's where Black Potter kicks in. Then Black Potter goes all the way up to about early 19th, you know, 20th century, and then that's where bolt action kicks in. Then bolt action goes through all the way up to 45, and then Conflict 47 goes to 46 on. And then we've got Gates of Antares, which is our sci fi. And okay. Doctor Who as well. So uh, Before I hit those two, I was going to ask, uh, like, how are these kind of scale neutral? Do they convert pretty easy from 20? I know you guys make 28 millimeter plastics for these, but do they convert well to uh, like 15 millimeter? Sure. Sure they do. And in fact, you know, bolt action, a lot of people out there have got those 15 millimeter armors from Flames of War and they're like, well, I've got this army. I don't want to buy bolt action. Get into there. If, if you're really, really stuck on 15s and stay with 15s, I mean, come on, man. We all like to paint and stuff, but bolt action will work for that. In fact, I've suggested several times you take your bolt action rules for, let's say, <clears throat> Battle of the Bulge. And you can do Battle of the Bulge in 15s down to uh, Bastogne. And then at Bastogne, break out your 28s and do a, a table of Bastogne. And that way you can do the large scale and small scale, a lot like you know, if, uh, Games Workshop did with 40K and Epic. We can do the same thing. So you don't, you know, grab some 28s, grab bolt action. The system works for both scales. And then uh, go from there. Oh, oh, that's really cool. Now, uh, you mentioned uh, Beyond the Gates of Antares. You guys jumping into a um, science fiction game was interesting. Not a lot of people challenged that the, the other big company doing yep, their yep, sci-fi yep. thing. And, um, the gorilla in the room. Yeah, and as I understand it, it's it's based on the bolt-action rules? Yeah, it, the, the, the bolt-action 2 actually stole some of the stuff from Gates of Antares and pulled it in. Uh, beyond the Gates of Antares is a D10 system with uh, little extra nuances, but it still has the impulse 
movement system, I guess people are calling it. That's the, you know, put everything in a dice. And it's not the you go, I go kind of thing. It's, you're not quite sure when you're going to go. You put a dice, an activation or order dice in, in a bag or a bowl or whatever you want to use. And you pull it out to activate your units as you go. And uh, Beyond the Gates of Antares was written by Rick Priestley. It, uh, it's been out for about four or five years now. It's starting to really catch some, uh, get some traction. Uh, a lot of the, a lot of the, the models are out. That for when it first came out, we, we we had a hard time keeping up with the demand of all the models because it was one rule book. There's no codexes. It's just one rule book, and it's a, it's a beautiful rule book. It's got all the. It's got three pages of terrain in there, and you can cover any terrain from, from, <clears throat> uh, cesspools and and sand. You know. Um, uh, sand all the way up to carnivorous plants and and the quicksand and and the jungles and it's all in there and there's a reaction system that works really well uh, there's illustrated pictures all through there of the weapons there's some great fluff in there and there's right now if I, I think the last time I counted there's nine army lists out there for different kinds of armies we've got three supplements or campaigns that can be interlinked and what's kind of unique about those three books is in the book there's six or seven scenarios, and at the end of those scenarios, there's a chart that says, if the Viri got this many points during this campaign, here's the best outcome, the worst outcome, or a neutral outcome. And then here's a, the the Concord, best outcome, worst outcome, neutral outcome. Here's the uh, Isaurians. And it, for all the people that can, that can participate in that campaign, there's an outcome of those six things that can then affect the system of your beyond the gates of Antares. So it's a living, breathing system that can mold and shape your next battles. Okay. That's, that's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, it's, I picked it up. I picked up a box set for it. Just, uh, I was just curious. I like the figures and, um, mm -hmm. I'm going to get it painted and get it on the, uh, the table sooner or later. What's cool about that too, Adam, is we have two different ways to get into the gates of Antares. We've got the, the big, bad, nasty $110 set that gets you Gar and Concord and the big hardbound book and everything you need to start. Or we have uh, uh, the Kara uh, 9, the, the Conflict and Kara 9 box set, which is a $50 put-your-toe-in-the-water kind of thing. The, the rule book is has been pared down to an A4 size with just the rules in it, not a lot of the fluff. Everything you need to play, it's got... Al Gore in, in Concord in there of uh, 20 figures each plastic and some terrain and a poster and a metal board for 50 bucks. So depending upon how big of a splash you want to do when you jump in the pool of Beyond the Gates of Antares, you can either go with a $50 toe in the water or the jive off the diving board 110. So it's a, it's a good way to start either way. Oh yeah. One question I wanted to ask about uh, bolt action was, and you mentioned coming from Flames of War, Flames of War, you know, you have this, pretty large army on the table. Bolt hmm. action is more skirmish-ish. Yeah. I, kind of what I, I described it to people is like, well, you know, you've got like a platoon uh, and just some support. You maybe have one large tank, uh, maybe one piece, or one anti-tank gun and, and something like that. What does what your average bolt action force look like? Uh, depends on what year, you know, you go into and how you want to do, but it could be anywhere from, you know, 20, 30 guys to, you know, 50, 60 guys, uh, depending upon your, your time and where you're at in your theater. But, you know, an average number would be 30 to 40 guys. And then one armored vehicle, one tank, maybe, and maybe a piece of artillery or an anti-tank gun. 
and it does pretty well in uh, for competitive play because I see a lot of bolt action tournaments <clears throat> around the country. Sure, sure, yeah. The, the standard is three round, twelve fifty point. Uh, pretty much is the standard, and uh, some places around the world go a thousand points. We do more of a twelve fifty to add a little more variety, uh, and it's. You know, you go into a store and you buy the one box of plastics. So, you know, you're getting 30 guys for 25 to 30 guys for about 40 bucks. So it's almost a buck a figure, a little over that. And and the range of that hard plastic figure, you can put different heads on there, different arms. The arms come with the weapons. Usually there's some of our, we call that a one-off sprue where the arms have the weapons. Some of our older kits like the British commandos and the Russian winter and the Russian sits still, you still have to put the weapon in their hands. But, but the variety that you can put your guys into, you know, for 50 bucks, you get 30, 40 guys. That's two, three platoons right there. It's probably all you're going to need. You can put your headquarter unit out of there unless you want to go for the metal. But you can get into a bolt action army for way less than 100 bucks easy. Yeah, and that's that's really good. And I also really appreciate uh, the trend among companies giving you that small paperback rule book in with the starter set. Yeah. Oh yeah. It it really makes it easy to get into games. You know. Well, that's what I, we do with our, our our you know going back to to black powder too. We've re- <laughs> we released our Waterloo kit. If you want to get into Napoleonics, okay, there's no better way than getting our Waterloo box set. And I and I I'm telling you, it, it is. There's a beautiful box. There's over 100 figures in there, 28 millimeter, horses, artillery, some metal, some plastics. The rule book is in there for about 110, 120 bucks, depending upon where you pick it up. But that's a buck a figure for Napoleonics. In 28 millimeter, yeah. In 28 millimeter. And you can get into it. And the models are beautiful. The sprues are easy to, to, to take apart and put them together. Uh, it's just a, a, a fun time to paint up those guys. And uh, if you want to get into Napoleonics or Black Potter, you cannot go wrong with, with the Waterloo set. Now, what size table does Black Potter p- play on? Four by six. Four by six? It's, it's a good size, yeah. Uh, and that's the standard for Blood Reds, uh, for Bolt Action, for Gates of Antares and Hail Caesar, about four by six. Blood Red Skies and, and Cruel Seas are about a 4x4, four 3x3. Four, three three. Test of Honor, Strontium Dog, definitely a 3x3, three 3x3. Three, three okay. And I guess before we hit those, you have one more major game that uh, we haven't talked about. In fact, I dug up the last interview, uh, the most recent interview somebody did with you, and they didn't really mention this game at all. So uh, I wanted to talk Here about it. Here we go, it. sure. Tell me about the Doctor Who game. <laughs> ah, the Doctor Who game. Doctor Who game is is our uh, adventure into BBC, and uh, it's really, really, really fun. They, uh, uh, you can play it, the box set is called Exterminate, and you get uh, Cybermen and you get De- Daleks, Daleks, Daleks in there, Pepper Pots, and you get about twelve, I think, or sixteen of the guys in the box. And the whole basis of, of the Exterminate game is. That these two guys are trying to, these two factions are trying to take over the time vortex and then control the universe. Uh, and they do that through battles. There's, there's six or seven scenarios in there. However, which is, there's three books in there there's the rule book, then there's a battle book, kind of sort of, or behind the scenes, and then there's adventures. And each of those books do different things with the Doctor Who universe. You can buy the, buy the, the Bane box set and you'll be fine. You get Cybermen and Daleks. Or you can start buying all the little boosters and do different factions. You can do the silence. You can do uh, uh, man traps. You can do the uh, augrins. You can do 
uh, you know, the Ice Warriors from Mars. You can do Sinatrans. You can do all these different uh, factions. And in one of the rule books, they show you how to incorporate those factions into the game. And there's a little box in the scenario book that says, if you're playing the Doctor, there's this little box out that says the Doctor is in. And that tells you how to modify the rules and that scenario to include the Doctor. And we've got, there's 13 Doctors out there right now, and we've got models for, I think, nine of them, eight or nine of them. And uh, we, we just announced that we're going to release the 13th Doctor, the new one. We, we've got a model for her. And uh, so you can pretty much do any Doctor you want, any scenario you want from the 50-plus years of the Doctor Who universe. And we're slowly but surely making all the models. Sometimes we get them fast, like, you know, the dollar. We've got a whole box called the, the, the Silver Nightmare or the uh, Nightmare of Silver. And it's it's all the, the Cybermen from 1963 up to now. So you get a model from way back in the 63 and the real good special effects they made for those guys all the way up to now. And you can get a model of each one of those. And those are pretty easy to get permission and okay from. Some of the actors take a little longer. Our sculptors will make a sculpt, give it to BBC. BBC gives it to the actor. The actor says yes or no, or my hips are too big, or my head's too small, or something like that, you know. And then it comes back through the whole process. So sometimes that might take a little longer, you know, eight, nine weeks to get the model okay. But we've got the BBC behind us. We've got all the models. You know, we've got... We're releasing something new almost every month, and there's even more coming out. You know, units coming soon. We got some of the unit units out. Unit unit. That's funny. Um, uh, we've got uh, all. You know, we let's see. I think we just released Baker and his Doctor with with Canine. We've got the first oh, yeah. Doctor. You know, you we've got, got my attention with, with with the Baker thing. But yeah. When you first yeah. announced this game, I was like, "All right, I'm interested, but I'll wait until it yeah. gets more older." And then with this, yeah, I'm gonna I'll yeah. jump in with that. <laughs> and again, it's at fifty fifty five dollar price point break. It's a it's a fun game. We've demonstrated it lots of times. People see that. Oh, you got a Doctor Who game? Yeah. It's just it isn't as well known in the states as as uh, it is in the UK, but uh, it's catching on, and, and I'm sure you're gonna see more of it here in the near future. But uh, it's. It's a lot of fun. When we go to the conventions, we demonstrate it. We have it on the table. We show people, and uh, they're always like, wow, this is, you got Doctor Who? Well, yeah, sure. Why not? Uh, we are a British company. Uh, so It would uh, be wrong if you did. Yes, exactly. Yeah, and we, we're uh, always looking to expand or, or, or help other companies or, or corporations get the word out. And you know, uh, It's a great board game, too. I mean, it's, just, it's a fun – Doctor Who is a fun game. The, model, the models are – the models are a little larger than 28. They're, you know, heroic 28, some people call them, because they wanted to get some really good detail in there. And all the bases have the names. Not that if you're a Whovian, you need the names on the bases, but it's still that extra little touch. You know, you'll, you know, Sarah will be etched in the base or, uh, you know, the Doctor or something like that will be on the bases. So all of them are in there, you know. So it's, it's a good game. I think you'll like it. Cool. I do. <laughs> Now let's uh, talk about some of the other games that you, you casually mentioned in the interview, uh, starting with your new one, Strontium Dog. If oh, okay. I said that correctly. Strontium Dog, yes. Yeah. See, and and not another one of those uh, genres that not a lot of the U.S. people know about, but is going crazy in the U.K. And there, there's a couple of diehard fans in the states, and it's just going to get bigger. A Strontium Dog comes from 2008 Comics. 2008 Comics has been around since the late 70s, and it, it's still to this day going strong in the UK and, and around the world. Uh, if you go down to your local comic book store and say, I'd like to get 2008, you can. Uh, but Strontium Dog is the first of many 
to be released games from that comic book line. So you're going to see down the road, you'll see ABC Warriors. You're going to see uh, Torquemada. You're going to see Slain. You're going to see Rogue Trooper. And, of course, you'll see the big guy himself. Judge Dredd. Yep. Yes. Yep, you'll see him really soon, too. And we've got uh, two great guys, Gav Thorpe and Andy Chambers, were corralled and put in a room. Of course, they went willingly because they both love Strontium Dog. And they came up with a rule set that's – that's uh, uh, the, the rule book, I say, is sexy because almost every page has got some kind of picture from the graphic novel or from our models or from something. So it's full color, 86-plus pages of rules, and it's got some funny little quirks in there that, that you know, old Gavin and Andy always like throw in, like underneath measurement requirements, you know. The basis of this game is the, with quotes, I'm doing air quotes, inch. Which is no longer, which is known in North America, some carpenters and gamers from North America, you know, and it's just, it's just some funny little lines in there about quips and quirks, but it's all based on a kind of like the impulse system with bolt action, and you put a chit or token into a bag to represent when you can move your your outlaws or your bounty hunters. Strontium Dog is based about 100, 150 years in the future, after Judge Dread, and. The, there's been a, a mutant revolution because of the nuclear war to spread strontium-90 everywhere, and there was mutations popping up, and people didn't want to have mutants around, but then they kind of kept them in, in uh, gulags and prison camps and treated them bad. So they they rose up and had a revolution and, and got their civil rights, but the only real jobs they can get right now are bounty hunters. So these strontium dogs are search-and-destroy units. That's what they really call search and destroy, but they call them strontium dogs. They're usually mutants. Go out and collect bounties. And the game plays that you're going out, your team of, of bounty hunters or outlaws are trying to get credits to build up their forces. So you can modify your weapons through, uh, it's kind of like the old Necromunda game or there's a role-playing game built into this that you can build up your gang as you go, improving your weapons. We've got a box of just body parts called Build-A-Beauty where you can build your own mutant and you actually can de develop and design them in the game. And there's a campaign system <laughs> and a scenario cool. system. Oh, yeah. Well, it, it, it's kind of funny, Adam. Uh, j just for numbers, I'll show this game at conventions ten times. And and maybe nine people have never heard of this. I've, I've had three guys walk up and just go crazy. Oh, my God, it's Strontium Dog. I want it all. So they buy everything. But of those ten people that go up, one person might know to this. But of those ten people, nine will buy the game after playing it one turn or two turns because it's just it's so much fun. There's chicanery cards you can throw in and armor cards, and what's really kind of cool to capture the essence of the graphic novel is like I mentioned before, it's that it's an impulse game where we pull chits out of the bag, but some of the chits have stars on them, and those stars mean that a character like Johnny. Johnny Alpha is one of the main characters. He has a coolness rating of five, which means he's kind of a cool dude. And once he does his two single actions or his one double action, he can opt to roll against his cool rating. And if he's successful, he can put that token back in the bag and do it again. So he can do a couple more turns instead of just the one turn. Interesting. So uh, what size table does this play on? Three by three. Three by three. And about how many figures per side? Oh, well, on the first scenario... I know, I keep throwing that at you. No, 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 it's fine. And it's kind of cool. This, and this illustrates the sexiness of the of the box for Strontium Dog. You need two SD agents and five outlaws. So you need seven figures to play the first three scenarios. 
and they come in the box. And not only do they come in the box, and the full-size rule book, 86-plus pages, full color, also we have some stuff, some Charissa. We've got some MDF terrain. We've got a house, a uh, watchtower, some solar panels, and a wind-generating uh, turbine kind of thing, all for 60 bucks. It's a heavy box. I mean, it, it's got and all the tokens, all the markers, everything you need is right in there. That's that's really really cool. And, and, um, I, and just as just to help people out, try to figure out what strontium dog is. I I, I challenge or I, I I ask everybody when we first come up and they say what's a strontium dog. I said you got to promise me that sometime in the next 24 to 40 hours, you will take the time to go onto YouTube, go to YouTube, and then type in the search engine strontium dog. A fan based film will come up. It's only 20 minutes long. I'm asking this for 20 minutes of, of, of your time to watch this film. It is well done. It should be on the big screen. It is that good. The, the special effects are phenomenal. These are the same guys who did the Judge Minty. I don't know if you've ever seen that one. The Judge Minty fan-based film. Uh, check that one out, too. But uh, that's about uh, Judge going on the long walk. But uh, Strontium Dog is a 20-minute fan film out there based on Johnny Alpha and Wolf. Uh, his partner, who was actually a ninth-century Viking, comes back uh, comes from back in time, but that's a whole other storyline. Well, that that sounds pretty awesome. Yeah, but but, <laughs> but it, and he's got a he's got a his his best weapon he likes to use is this big old hammer he calls the happy stick. So he has a happy it makes him happy when he uses this you know happy stick. Um, but uh, uh, it's really a cool twenty-minute fan-based film that will explain Johnny Alpha better than I ever could, and you'll you'll get hooked. And then there's two audio books out there if you want to while you're painting or you're you're doing something. Go on there again and type in Strontium Dog, and two audio books will come up from BBC. And guess who plays Strontium Dog on those audio books? Who? Simon Pegg. Really? Yeah, yeah. So this, it's one of those levels. You know, the whole world's a big, huge onion, and there's all kinds of levels, and there are all kinds of layers. And this is one of those layers that people don't realize that 2000 AD is huge in UK and some of Europe, and there is so much there is so much buzz and so much excitement over Strontium Dog that and it's starting to catch fire over here in the states. We always sell it out once we get to a, a convention or event. People start talking about it, start playing it, and they look at it, and they're like, "Wow, this is a lot of fun." And it's one of those niche games where you can fill in if you don't want to look i don't have four or five hours to play black powder or four or five hours to play bolt action i want to play something quick and fast strontium dog blood red skies cruel seas will fit that itch of a niche of a of trying to play a game quick strontium dog plays in about anywhere from 20 to 40 minutes depending upon how big you want to do this and then it it's time malleable is what i call it it'll fit into any time slot you got at them so if you got half hour play four or five points you know and if you, if you got two hours play 20 points or, or go through a whole scenario of a couple campaign levels and build up your, your, your gang. Um, yeah, you've made me more interested in this game <laughs> and I, w- I would, I, I do want to casually mention, I do appreciate you guys, uh, continuing to employ my favorite, uh, rule guys that used to work for that other company. Mm-hmm. You know? Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, Rick, Rick Priestley and, and Andy, and Andy Gav Chamber. And, Gav. Yep. You, oh yeah. You Gav Thorpe? Yeah. yeah. And Jeff, so. Oh, Gav Thorpe did, Strontium Dog. Yeah, Which, yeah, Gav and uh, Jervis Johnson. Yeah, Jervis Johnson's on Black Powder. Yeah, uh, so yeah, I appreciate that. I've always Lester, liked Cavator. He's in there as well. Really? Okay. Yeah, Alessio rewrote uh, Bolt Action too. Ah, oh, neat. Yeah. And Andy Chambers also did. You know, he did our Os Front, and he did the the Russian book, and he did uh, uh, Empire and Flames, our uh, Pacific supplement for Bolt Action. 
these guys seem to really shine when they're not as like restricted. Yeah. Oh know? yeah. Or, oh yeah. You know, so especially awesome. Rick, when the holds are released off of Rick, he goes crazy. It's fantastic. <laughs> now you mentioned Blood Red Skies. Tell me about this game. This is Andy Chambers' game. Uh, he took a long time, some say seven, eight years, to develop this. And and what's really the beauty of this game is it's designed to play play twelve aircraft in forty five minutes, and it does. When we were at NashCon this year, we had. 11 guys walk up to the booth and say, we want to play. <laughs> okay. So we, we busted out two two boxes. It's uh, You get 12 planes in the box, six six British and six German, uh, and the rule book and everything you need for like 50 bucks. So we busted out two boxes, had 22 aircraft. And from, hello, my name is John, and this is Blood Red Skies, to, okay, that's it, the game's over, hour and 45 minutes. Uh, 22 aircraft, 11 guys, 40, hour and 45 minutes. Uh and that's with brand new guys not knowing how it plays. It's so easy. It's so fast. Andy has distilled all the nuances of aircraft dogfighting to three simple uh, representations of your aircraft. And your aircraft sits on a stand, and it can either lean forward, stand straight, tall, or lean back. When it's leaned back, it's advantaged. If it's standing tall, it's neutral. If it leans forward, it's disadvantaged. So right there, you know if a plane's disadvantaged or advantaged or standing neutral and depending upon the orientation of the aircraft depends upon if you can shoot or not or which particular movement you can do and it's all quick and fast uh, we're pu pumping out aircraft as we speak the mosquitoes and the hurricanes are on their way we've got the f-190s and 110s in the wings plus some p-40s sometimes we might just put out a card right now to fill some slots because people want to try different aircraft and if they become very popular we'll, we'll produce that aircraft some aircraft right now are plastic some are most of them are plastic. Some of them are metal now. The Wildcats and the the Kates are uh, are metal. Uh, some might be resin, uh, just because of the size and stuff. But we come out with different aces. We're coming out with different aircraft. Andy's released a campaign system so you can build up your squadron as you go. And what's really cool is you can take Blood Red Skies. We did this this summer. More and more people are starting to do it. And I've wrote an article for it. And hopefully we'll see it in the in the. Uh, newsletter here pretty soon from warlord there's a way to take blood red skies and cruel seas and bolt action and play three games at the same time to interact with all three games and, and here's what i mean for example this summer at warlord gamescon our, our warlord convention we have here in the states uh, around april may time frame it was our fifth year this year uh we did four tables of guadalcanal we had bolt action guadalcanal japanese and marines and then we did Blood Red Skies with some Japanese Betty Bombers trying to get off the board, and Joe Foss and his Wildcats rose up to try to stop them. Then we had Cruel Seas going with some uh, troop ships coming down the slot and some PT boats trying to stop them. And then we had a fourth table that we're working on called uh, Raiders Attack, which is instead of each squad getting a uh, dice in the bag, each guy gets a dice in the bag. So there's it's a lot smaller, more skirmish, more in-your-face kind of stuff. And all four of those tables worked this way. Bolt action was being played between the Marines and the Japanese, and they're fighting it out. If on the Blood Red Skies table, the Betty Bombers got off the board, on the bolt action table, there was a bombardment on the Marines because the Betty Bombers got in there. On the Blood, uh, Cruel Seas... If the cruel seas uh, troop ships, the Japanese troop ships, made it through the PT boats, the Japanese got reinforcements on the bolt action table. And on the raiders attack table, there was a Japanese village, and some marine scouts were trying to infiltrate and neutralize this 
village. And if they did, which they did in this instance, on the bolt action table, two squads of Marines got a chance to flank the Japanese on each side. So there's four tables, four all being played at the same time, all affecting each other at the same time, and uh, everybody had a ball. So we're going to do that again in New Jersey, the 8th, 9th, and 10th at Mythico Studios. I'll be flying out there, and we're going to be doing uh, Guadalcanal and Stalingrad the same way. Uh, we'll just use Cruel Seas, Blood, uh, Red Skies, and Bolt Action. And we'll put a picture. Oh, yeah. So it's really That's easy really to do. Cool. Yeah, because you can do uh, bone craters coming down the Volga with Katyushkas on the back end, you know, shooting artillery into Stalingrad on the on the Germans, you know. So it all interacts. It's really, really fun. And uh, I'm really looking forward to doing more of it. Now, what role do the bombers play in this? In, in Blood Red Skies, you have escort missions. So you're trying to get the bombers off the board. Uh, or ah, or we also have American. Well, it's a Russian IL-2, uh, not IL-2. It's the it's the Russian equivalent of C-47. In fact, it is a C-47. They just put a a uh, turret on the top and call it their own. But we have a card in the box set. When you buy the box, you get three bombers in there or three transports. If you cut off that top turret, you flip over the card and hey, look, it's a C-47. And we have the Ju-52, the Junkers which is what the Germans use for their transport and supply. So if you use those aircraft, instead of a bombing mission on the bolt action table, you can drop paratroopers or supplies and give people extra shots and stuff. So there's, there's a bunch of different ways you can use them. But then people think, oh, my God, here comes Crete, because you can do Ju-52s, me 109 Spitfires, Hurricanes, and boom, now you can do Crete. You can do Eben Malal. You can do all kinds of craziness with Blood Red Skies hooking into bolt action. Now, you can do um, multiple theaters, too. Oh, yeah. Well. You, you could do over in the Pacific. Sure. Sure, yeah. And we've but got... But you're, stra- you're strangely missing, was it P-47s? Uh, no, they're on the table. The, the the jugs will be coming out here real soon. We've got test models. Uh, they'll be out ah. early next year. Uh, P-38s, maybe. I know P-40s for sure. Air Cobras, P-39s. P-40, uh, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah, P-40s. Oh, yeah, yeah, they're... We've got a stack card out for them right now on the Facebook website, and uh, you can use them. And the models are coming. Uh, and I think the ace they're going to pick for him would be Tex Hill. That's cool. Yep. Now, I guess my only other question with Blood Red Skies would be, is there a way for uh, to model like uh, anti-aircraft or anything like on the ground? We're working on that. Andy and the guys over in the UK are actually working on a supplement for Blood Red Skies for ground attack. You heard it here first, and uh, they're actually doing some stuff. We're gonna right now. We're we're getting with Litco Game Aids to uh, provide us some of the stuff right now to use, and the testing and the play testing. But uh, very very soon, you're gonna see Stukas, IL-2, uh, Sturmgewicks, and uh, Typhoons, and P- P-47s in the ground attack mold. Uh, so then again, there's another layer for Blood Red Skies to affect bolt action. Awesome. That's really, really cool. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. A lot of excitement there. All right. Before I uh, end up running out of time, I guess I, I definitely need to talk to you about the entire reason why I called you. And you guys <laughs> have this fantastic new game coming out that everybody is talking about called Cruel Seas. Yes. Uh, I know, uh, I think pre-orders went in, uh, I think, yesterday as yep. of we record this podcast. Yep. And I, it has a uh, launch date of, I think, December 8th. That is correct. And uh, everybody is talking about this game. Tell me, like, what made you guys decide to come up with this? John Stollard. 
he's now, he's the CEO of 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 Warlord. Uh, him and Paul Sawyer sat down around a table after they both were dismissed from Games Workshop and wanted to do something. They came up with Warlord Games. Paul uh, and John uh, started Warlord Games, and John Stollard loves this. I call it the knife in the dark uh, uh, fist fight, where the small boat actions of World War II, the the channel dashes, the uh, the Saint Nazaire raid, uh, Operation Chariot with the boats uh, escorting uh, the USS the HMS Campbelltown into the docks. We've got PT 109 and, and all those boats. We've got all the the small boat actions have really never been. There's rule books out there that have tried, but we're we're coming out with a one three hundredth scale game that moves a lot like Blood Ritz guys moves a lot like bolt action with the impulse coming out of the out of the chip bag, D10 system, and you have these little boats chocked full of weapons that can fire in all their arcs, and you have to be careful how you move because you can actually ram into each other. I've done it uh, when I was playing this back in March, and uh, the models are. Phenomenal. We chose one 300 because we get a lot of. They're not too big. They're not too small. They're just right for the type of detail and scale we wanted to run. Uh, you're not going to get into destroy much bigger than maybe a cruiser destroyer. And if you do that, now I'm, I'm going off of some old information possible, but a typical game would be about a thousand points, 1,200 points, and a cruiser is like 2,000 points. So and, and they're like 12 inches long, 13 inches long. So they're huge. So you might not get those, but you got the armed trawlers trying to help refuel U-boats out in the ocean, or you've got uh, troop ships coming down the slot for Guadalcanal, and the PT boats going out there trying to stop them. So you've got all this knife-in-the-dark, up-in-your-face action uh, with aircraft. And the, the box set comes out 8th of December, like you said. I think it's $80. You get the big, huge rule book. You get uh, four E-boats or S-boats, a German uh, armored boat. You get six of the uh, British... PT boats. Uh, you get a cardboard trawler and uh, a bunch of little uh, markers, uh, sploosh counters, and uh, that's where if you miss, you can you actually have a column of water rises up, so you can have a better chance of hitting them next time. And then we have, if you launch torpedoes, we have these little resin-made torpedoes with wakes around them, so you can lay those down, so you can see where the torpedoes are going. And that's just the box set. Then we're selling flotillas, which are a lot like our Blood Red Skies box sets which are six or four air, uh, boats, you know, four S-boats or six PT boats or six American PT boats. And then we have fleets. And the fleet box set will have about 10 ships in there of different sizes and one aircraft, roughly, uh, possibly, uh, some trawlers. And uh, those are about 100 bucks. But you get a whole fleet, and we're going to have Germans, Americans, British, Italians, Russians, and Japanese. All so, at launch? Uh, no. Uh, the Italians and the Japanese come out, I think, in January. But all the other ones will be at launch. <coughs> okay, yeah. It, it looks amazing. Oh, it's and, a lot of fun. Uh, it, it is. I, I know uh, I've heard uh, you complain before, or at least somebody from Warlord did, that people seem surprised that this was coming out, and you guys were like, "We've been talking about it for three months." <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah. What caught my attention was you guys uh, were at some. There was an open game, some kind of convention that you guys do in the UK about a month or month and well, a half open. ago. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had we had we had whispered about it last year in in October for our first open house. That was our ten year anniversary. This year in September. 
they had a game of it playing, and uh, they had all the ships painted up. Uh, Richard Carlisle did a, a Herculean job of getting it all ready to go and running it, and uh, he run he ran that in the uh, Blood Red Skies with the B-17s, and uh, uh, it is it is a great board. I mean, you can do. So many different the, – the rule book comes out with so many different scenarios. Like I said, you got, you got, you're got running down the slot. You've got the German guys trying to drop off a spy on the shores, with, trying to avoid the patrols. You've got, uh, you know, uh, meeting actions. It, it's just – there's so much uh, of that small, in-your-face battles. And then the Russians will have, you know, all kind of Blackwater Navy up up the Volga. You, you have those kind of patrols. It's just – it's uh, – the, the models are phenomenal. The, the detail is, is unbelievable. And it's just a fun D10 system and roll with it. Uh, that uh, D10 or D6, D10. Uh, although it could have changed since last time I played. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's, it is a lot of fun. And uh, you have templates you put on your, on your boats. If they're standing in the water, they don't do nothing. But uh, there's no template. But if you're moving like at a slow speed, you, you put a little wake behind them so you can see the wake. Uh, and then if it's uh, at combat speed, there's two weeks. Uh, you stand out the, the the wake a little bit, and then if they're at full speed, you pull the wake out all the way, and you lay it on underneath the boat, and you can see that this guy's going full speed, which makes him harder to hit and harder to shoot from, of course. Uh, there's different, uh, all kinds of different weapons, you know, pom poms, uh, you know, 47 millimeter, I mean, 37 millimeter, 40 millimeter, uh, or clearons. You've got 50 calibers, 30 calibers. You got guys throwing grenades from boats. You've got torpedoes, depth charges. It's all in there, and then you got guys trying to hunt for submarines. So I mean, it's it's just it's it's a lot of fun. And again, it scratched that itch of in between games you're playing, or you interlink it with your bolt action game. Yeah, uh, I honestly had no idea of anything about this particular type of you know, this thing was going on in World War II. You know, or, or I mean, I knew it was there, but I just never read anything about it that it was this intense. I think I've spent over 100, 150 bucks on books since I first heard about this sure. game. I'm buying the Osprey books, yep. and then I'm buying like uh, people's memoirs and stuff oh, they've yeah. written about, about this thing. It's this whole thing that I had no idea was going on at this level. Oh, yeah. Well, I, uh, I'm really excited because I've got one of my loves was uh, Operation Chariot, the uh, right on St. Nazaire. And I've got a bolt-action table of St. Nazaire. With the commandos that I did, you know, crazy stupid research on. All the guys have their names on the back, and they're all modeled just like the guy only carrying what the guy carried. And now I can do the other part of Operation Chariot before they got to the dock when they were escorted by the MDTPs, you know, the, the motor torpedo boats, and getting it out there. So you, I can do all that now for Saint Nazaire. Yeah, it just it just looks amazing, and I know I'm. I started posting um, the pictures from your open day on my local stores page. Oh yeah, and all people are like, "What is this?" Oh yeah, oh, this yeah. looks um, you know amazing. I mean, I don't think a lot of companies understand that. Like, look, we all have six by four tables, and that's pretty much the maximum we can do yep. either in our house or at the local store. And so, you know, anything that kind of fits in that gameplay area is really interesting. And and the other thing is, is with you guys and, you know, uh, Battlefront that do Flames of War have kind of gotten where, you know, well, all these guys that play the sci-fi fantasy games and stuff like that, a lot of them are interested in historical gaming, yep. but it's just not approachable 
you know, uh, because there's like, oh yeah, there's a million different companies that making the stuff, and you know, a million different rule sets. So when one company comes along and says, okay, well we have, we're, we've got the rule book here, and we sell the figures, and it's all, you know, all said done, we really appreciate that. It is a really good jumping on point for this. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't tell you like how many uh, young kids in in my shop have, and it just really does my heart good that are just jumping into historicals because it's made easy yeah. to get into. Yeah. You know? it's and really I, I really appreciate that. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's very inspiring because, I mean, like, you don't know. These guys could go and go off and do whatever and, you know, uh, decide to jump into Napoleonics or, you know, whatever, just because it's easy now. They're like, wow, I've always wanted that. I really love the Zulu movie, and mm-hmm. now, I, you know, I, I didn't know I could even play that, yep. and it's easy. It's just just gaming. Yeah, there's a whole box set, and yeah, it's fantastic. So yeah, I really, really appreciate that. So yeah, super excited about uh, this game, and um, yeah, talking to my local store, and I, I think I'm going to toss him this interview and see what he decides. He can sure. hear about your whole line. Sure. And, and well, and then, there. and then as, as the day approaches, Adam, give me a call. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about Korea, the book we're working on. We can talk about, uh, you know, the other, there's a little party on a beach next year. That's got a 70th anniversary. We can start talking about, we've got some other books we're working on like Stalingrad and stuff. There's, there's so much we we're still working on. There's so many irons in the fire that we, we're not going to be able to cover it all today, but we can sure do it in another one. Sure, sure. Uh, I think I, the last thing I have, I have a few questions that people have sure. given me to ask sure. you. Sure, if we can do and, that, that'd, um, that'd be great. That's what it's ended uh, off. That's perfect. All right. Uh, will you do 28mm Cold War slash Modern Infantry in plastic? Well, that's for the Korea talking. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes. All right. Um, I've seen the makeups for the Chinese, and now they're working on the, uh, the North Koreans. So, yes. Okay, and this is Bolt Action Korea that is coming yep. in the future. Yep. All right. Next year, yep. And um, one guy asked, why are single model prices so high? The average 135th scale model is about the same price. And I asked him to clarify, and he says, the 154th scale Hellcat is $54. And I, I'm taking, I think that's from you. And it says, why a 135th scale Hellcat, which I'm assuming from another company, is 39 I think ours is 38 I don't think ours is 54, but uh, um, uh, it's it depends upon the resin or if it's plastic. You know, we've got a kit the 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 KV1 KV2 kit's 32 dollars, and you can get both tanks in that because we give you both turrets, and That's we true. and and we give you eight tank riders, and we give you decals for it to either be a uh, Finland uh, tank or a Russian tank, and we give you the little cotton balls to make it explode it or not. So it's 32 dollars. So I think. I think, and the resin ones are usually 38. So I don't think we have, unless you're buying the mouse for 80 bucks, uh, I don't think we have uh, our, our prices are comparative. And it, you know, a lot of our plastics are from Italiere. So uh, uh, it, it's, uh, it's when you get into tanks, we try to put more than just the tank in that box. Okay. And uh, what are the next? Uh, what's funny is it's like uh, I had one guy ask a question like, "Can we see some pictures of the cruel seas?" And I'm like, well, "Sure, are you can." Bli- <laughs> are you deaf and blind? I'm like, "Yeah, they're everywhere, man." And yep, yep. I, I sent him the link. Um, what are the next releases for cruel seas? Well, we- well, you you went over that yep. up up into January, yep. and he follows it up with, "Why no submarines? Why no torpedo bombers?" Well, there are torpedo bombers and there are submarines. Yes. Yeah. Okay. That's. <laughs> 
there are there are actual subs in it. I did see the well, conning tower. Miniature. Right, right, and, and there'll be search and stuff, and that'll be an expansion for later. Uh, for right now, there's no real sub subs in the rule book. Well, at least the last one I saw, but they might have included them since I've seen it. But there'll be something definitely down the road for sure. Okay, and one big question: uh, any gameplay videos planned? For Cruel Seas? Cruel Seas. Yes, I do believe so. They'll probably... You know, Warlord has a YouTube channel, and they put videos up there once in a while. So check it out. They had one out there for a play of a Strontium Dog, and they've got one for Black Powder now, the Black Powder 2. Yes, I passed that Black Powder 2 one around sure, a so lot. There'll be one. When it becomes official and out there, I'm sure that Richard and his gang, Richard Carlisle and his gang over there at Warlord, will start putting them out. All right, cool. And uh, I think the last one here is, will you ever adapt Bolt Action for World War One? There's a real good set out there by Larry Freeman and Danielle Freeman that, that, we, that we were leaning on towards and uh, we're trying to get produced. Uh, it may or may not. I'm not sure. There, there's some, some talks and some legalese that are getting involved with that. I think so, yes. When? I don't know. But uh, uh, there's a real good set out there that uh, Larry and, and Danielle Freeman do that, that uh, we're, we're interested in. Yeah. What's the name of it? If you uh, Western, uh, oh, what is it? I'll have to look it up. But uh, I can send you a copy of it if you like, but no problem. Okay. Larry Freeman, huh? Yeah, Larry Freeman and, Larry and Danielle Freeman. Uh, they, they, they own a store, uh, uh, Brush with Nobility, uh, in I think it's Missouri. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, Danielle and Larry, if I got it wrong. But uh, I see them on the circuit a lot. They're great people, and uh, the rule set's great. They're working on a supplement uh, for the eastern part of World War I, uh, so it's going to be a lot of fun. All right, cool. Excellent. Well, I know. Yeah, next time. Yeah, I. Oh, I know no, I mean, excellent, excellent, right. excellent. Yeah, and. Oh, excellent. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I know you've got somewhere to be, and I appreciate all the time you've you've spent with us here, and uh, yeah, I, yeah, I really appreciate the chance for you to tell us all about Warlord, especially so I can pass it along locally and Betcha. like see see this see? awesome stuff. So you we we should out. do this, guys. Yeah, that's fine. Anytime you need it, Alan, just give me a call. We'll set something up if I, if I'm not on the road. All right. Thank you very much. Thanks, Adam. Take care and say hi to everybody. I will. Goodbye. Bye. Hey, Adam here, and I hope you uh, enjoyed the interview with John as much as I enjoyed interviewing him. And I hope you will take it upon yourself to go visit our little website at chanceofgaming.com and maybe download some of the other episodes that we do. And, uh, yeah, we do a little podcast. We talk about tabletop gaming, miniature, board game, mostly of the conflict variety, but not always. And uh, there you go. So hopefully just check us out. Thanks.